This is Pamela Nelson with the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast powered by Align, and this is episode 27. We are really excited today to have Sarah Nobles joining us. Sarah is here to discuss the difference between perfectionism and pursuing excellence. Sarah's traveled her own journey through perfection and was actually terrified about what she would find if she didn't present a perfect image to those around her. Being perfect was core to who she was. So the process has led her to this important discussion and we know that you are not gonna wanna miss this today. Welcome to the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast, where everyone is a leader and leadership starts with you. I'm Tara. And I'm Pamela. Thank you for listening and inviting us along on your leadership journey. Welcome to the podcast. So we're excited because we had our first ever listener topic request. Uh, So a big shout out to Maria Sermamanka, one of our pioneer listeners. Uh, she reached out and said she would love for us to tackle and talk about the difference between perfectionism and excellence, pursuing excellence. I think this is such an important topic. I know that people, our culture in general struggles with this, but I think women in leadership in particular struggle with this. And so we're excited to dive deeper into this. So whether you are a woman leader or you work with women leaders, But this is not unique to women. So I should probably say there are men who also are perfectionists. It maybe just looks different to them. Yeah. So we're going to dive into this. And as soon as Maria reached out about that topic, Sarah Noble jumped into my head because I've heard Sarah speak about perfectionism. She's done her own work and we are all about doing our work. And so we asked Sarah to join us and uh, we're really excited to have you here today, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce you so that our audience knows who we're talking to. So Sarah has a heart that thrives on communication, personal growth, and exploration. She's carved a unique path, and I would say that it is unique, in the world of financial services. While Sarah has utilized her expertise in guiding individuals towards financial freedom and security, her true passion lies in empowering women. Driven by her belief in the strength and potential of women, she's dedicated herself to uplifting and supporting them through her work. As an advisor, Sarah has championed women's growth and advancement in the financial services industry, breaking barriers and leveling the playing field for women in finance. Through her mentoring and coaching, she encourages women to seize opportunities, embrace their unique strengths and excel in their careers. In her spare times, you can find Sarah eagerly engaging in public speaking events where she shares her experiences, insights and knowledge. Her compelling storytelling and genuine warmth captivates the hearts of her listeners, leaving them inspired and motivated to embrace their own journeys of personal growth. And in her own words, she says, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm working to live a life with balanced, healthy boundaries and more joy in the moment. The real life version of that is that sometimes my head is on a swivel. Uh, I can relate to that. And she says, I worry about the little things like you. I'm a work in progress but she's a single mama of three amazing teenagers and wakes up every day grateful for their messy life and the lessons she's learned through trial and error. Sarah, we are thrilled to have you join us today. It is my pleasure to be here and to to talk about this topic. So we start every guest by asking about their top five strengths. Would love to hear your top five strengths and which one is resonating most with you right now? So my top strengths, you said five, right, Terry? You want to talk about the five? Okay, so top five strengths are my number one is strategic. My number two is woo. 
My number three is futuristic. My number four is no surprise, communication. And number five is positivity. And that those top five make up who I am and how I operate and how I view the world and how I work my way through it. And the one that I am most fixated on utilizing personally and professionally right now is strategic. So I think I'm in my fifth year of setting a word of the year. Maybe some of your listeners have heard of that concept before. So each year, actually at the end of the year, I do a lot of praying. I do a lot of reflecting. And I set an intention for the following year. And this year's intention came to me and it, it actually was in, intentional is my word of the year. So I think that my strategic really aligns with that word. And so I'm getting really creative around what does strategic and what does intentional mean? And how do I move, as your listeners have heard you discuss, how do I move for, into more of a mature version of strategic in my life? I absolutely love, Sarah, that you have strategic as number one. Here we are, all three of us, we all lead with strategic, but that shows up for us, Sarah, in such different ways. And when it comes to perfectionism, how does that as a recovering perfectionist, I'm like, I feel like we could say welcome to all of us. <laughs> oh my goodness. How does that show up for you then, Sarah? I think what my strategic has done with my perfectionism is truly it is a recovery. And I think like many things that you hear people recovering from, that's a journey. That's not a destination. I may never arrive. I won't ever be perfectly imperfect. And, and what my strategic has done with that concept is to say it's about rewiring. And that's a lot about what I want to talk about today is rewiring perfectionism and unwinding how that plays out in my life. And to your listener's question, Tara, who specifically said, how do I differentiate? I want to be excellent, but I wrestle with that and how it is different from perfectionist. And if I'm not a perfectionist, I'll never be excellent. That, that mantra lived in my brain just as much as I'm hearing some of your listeners. And so the strategic took that, it picked it up and said, I'm going to rewire that. And here's how boop, it connected all kinds of dots. And I think that empowering myself through that rewiring is really what allowed me to let go and begin to think about perfectionism in a different way. So Sarah, I want to dive in deeper there, but let's back up a little bit. I tell us a little bit about your origin story. We love origin stories. Both Pamela and I are Marvel fans, so we love a good orig origin story. <laughs> all right. Once upon a time, there was a woman who thought she had it all figured out. I think as an adult, we can look back at our childhoods and see some things. And so I believe that at an early age, I grew to be a people pleaser. So that's a new thing I'm working on. As I say, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think that partnership with people pleasing sometimes is sistered with perfectionism. And so I look back and I think that a lot of that people pleasing and desire to do things the best and perfectly to receive a positive response from someone else was the wiring that I had to, to go back and, and look at in my own childhood and reflect upon that. But the origin story specifically around perfectionism came interestingly enough um, from an invitation to speak. Carol referenced this opportunity that came to me back in, I believe it was 2016. There was a, a, an event that was called the Women of Influence Summit, and we had breakouts of speakers. And I was approached by the organizer of the event, who is a very um, special mentor in my life. And she said to me, 
I've been working with women for quite some time now, and this topic continues to come up. And so I wondered if you would speak about it. And I said, yeah, I'm flattered. I would, me, I'd love to be a speaker. This is something that I'm really passionate about. And so tell me more about what do you want me to speak about? And she said, perfectionism. And I thought, you got the wrong gal. I don't even know. Like I was so ignorant to how it was showing up in my life and in my world. But she saw something that I didn't at that time. And so I said, you know what, for the good of everyone who's going to be listening, I'll tackle this. And what she knew uh, in her wisdom was that in me tackling this and offering wisdom to others was really a journey that I went on myself. And as I began to unwind and some of the questions I think that you'll be asking me about later was how did I, what did I learn when I really dug into this topic? And so I think now it's flattering to be considered an expert in recovering from perfectionism. And at the time, I was disgusted that someone thought of it as maybe a negative thing. I think depending on what your frame of mind is, you might think of it as a compliment. You might also think of it as something that's holding someone back. So I'm eager to share more with you about what I learned there. But that's a little of my backstory. Oh, the wisdom of a great coach to be able to invite us in to present on something so that we can be in the discovery process. If we are truly authentic with ourselves, that's the gift in being in those positions. You always learn, I'm going to say 90% more than what you can ever share in that short amount of time. So you get the greatest benefit in it. But as you were uncovering all of that, what I really curious because of um, some of the specific work that I get to do with Align, which is specifically when people are stuck, that area and perfectionism is one of those areas that we get stuck in. It, it arises fears within us, Sarah. And so as you were starting to unpack this and tackle the subject, were there some things that surprised you in the area of fear that came up? I think at first, my honest response to that, Pamela, is that I felt like your listener sounds like she's asking, which is, if I no longer relate as a perfectionist, then I'm no longer good enough, fill in the blank. And, and I was terrified of what I might uncover, not being good at or uh, acknowledging. And yeah. doing so, you know, they say, when you know better, you do better. And so I, I was afraid of what I'd have to work on, if I'm being honest. It's really, it takes a lot of courage to work on yourself and to be open to that and to be open to your weaknesses. And I, I certainly thought that by letting go of perfectionism, that everyone around me would realize this, the true version of me, and that maybe that was something that they didn't want. And that recovering people pleaser was, again, very terrified of that perception. And I'm excited to share with you that I did learn amazing things about what letting go of this idea of perfection and not so much letting go. I think your listeners might need to hear me say reframe a lot because I did not want to let go with all my might. A perfectionist does not want to be truly seen. And that's a point of fear. And so I think reframing is what allowed me. And I think your perfectionistic listeners need to hear me say, I'm not asking you to not be a perfectionist right now that there is excellence in rewiring. And when you find it, as Brene Brown would say, that's the gift of imperfection. And that's where there's really a lot of joy and freedom to be your authentic self. And when you become your authentic self, you just 
begin to bloom in ways that older version of you never would have been able to. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, maybe for those listening, because when, and I believe you were talking about Michelle Pape, who was actually a guest of ours just a few months ago, or just a few weeks ago on the podcast, was the one who asked you to speak on perfectionism. Yeah. She's tricky that way. She's good at <laughs> calling us all into our areas of discomfort in order to- That's grow. a talent for that. Yes, she does. You said you weren't even sure what she meant and you were almost offended that you wouldn't want to be a perfectionist. So how did that show up for you? And how do you see it showing up for leaders? Like how does perfectionism show up? Yeah, wow, great question. I remember very proudly wearing the badge of I'm a perfectionist and I like that about me. And that's who I am, period. Mm-hmm. That is who I am. You can't change that about me. Maybe your listeners have heard even about the studies or you've shared before about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. I had a very fixed mindset. That was who I was. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that I could do about it but to embrace it and hang on even tighter as a perfectionist and just lean into that, right? The thought that she would say, would you be the one to speak about it so that other women could learn? And she left it so broad in a way that she didn't have any judgment attached to it. But when I began to research, that's when I realized that there's a scale. And I'm using my hands. Your listeners can't. I'm, I speak with my hands a lot. I'm sorry. So there's this scale, right? The idea that you can be excellent is just not good enough for a perfectionist. And so we tip the scales to what becomes unhealthy. And one of the studies that I read a lot about, and I love her work, is the Brene Brown. I talked about the gifts of imperfection, her book. And for me, I needed some sort of a baseline. How do I know if I'm being excellent or a perfectionist? And I did not know. And I think that's something that's very common. And what I learned through my study was that when striving to be a perfectionist, you'll find these little pieces of evidence of unhealthiness around you. And she identifies those in her materials. And I would love to just share for a moment, if you don't mind, what she talks about. So she talks about the difference, and I can give this to your listeners as well. But she talks about the difference between healthy striving and perfection. And it's okay to have healthy striving. It's okay to want to be excellent at something. That's not inherently bad. But when we go to the extreme of perfection is when we begin to see those unhealthy tendencies coming up like self-sabotage, feelings of inadequacy. When you start seeing like evidence of that, then you're like, ooh, I tipped the scale. When you become really inflexible, you become very rigid around what has to happen. And when things start to become more harmful than good, even in my home life, if I could give a personal example, that might be I shared in my speech, I talked about how my daughter was just learning to help with chores. She was probably around the age of 10 or so. And she was so eager and so excited to get to help me. And she wanted to help me fold clothes. And so she began folding these clothes. And I was like, I don't know if I can even watch this because they're not, it's not being done the way that I want it to be done. And it doesn't matter my why. I just, that's how I wanted it. And I felt truly I needed, almost needed someone who really is struggles with perfection, there's like this fanatical like dedication to the way that you do things like loading the dishwasher. I also joke about that. The toilet paper over, under, those are all things that for you, they have to be a certain way. So I watched idly from the side as she began folding this laundry, just not to my standard at the time, not to my inflexible, very rigid, one way only standard. 
And so when she left the room, I, I paused and I thought about it. So I knew exactly what I was doing. And I dumped it out and I started over. And I, all I can remember, because I hadn't gone through any of this process at this time, is that felt wrong. That felt like it was more harm than good, but I still couldn't really help myself. And I didn't have the tools necessary to reframe or unwind or change my opinion. I just need, knew I needed it that way. And so I, I tell that personal story to say, you'll see evidence around you when you've gone too far, when you push the boundary of excellence to perfection, you've set an impossible standard. And I think to your point about leaders, these are the evidence that you see with your team inflexibility. You don't allow failure. There's only one way. It's very rigid. And it, it really stifles growth. Your growth. I learned my growth. Even when you think maybe that's about others, it stifles your growth because if there's only one way to do it, then guess who has to do it every time? You. And so you don't allow yourself to really grow in your leadership journey if you're always doing the work rather than leading. And so it's, I think what I have been able to focus on as a tangible way to figure out if I'm behaving with excellence or perfection is to look around me and see who is this affecting? How is this hurting or helping them or myself and catch myself by looking around, around me at my environment? That is so powerful what you just described. And also what I'm hearing you say is that the perfectionism chose for you. You think that you're making a choice to be able to go in then and redo the laundry or whatever it is, but it is this driver that is choosing for you. And so you actually are paralyzed and enslaved by something which is a standard that has become a label. My name is Sarah and I do things perfectly. And it becomes more of who you are as opposed to, I'm Sarah and this is my value. This is who I show up as and I like to do it excellently. And I want to empower someone to do this. What I'm also hearing you saying is that as we identify strengths, we're taking these tests and things, but who we are as a valuable human is not up for question. And learning in our strength or learning in our excellence or diligently going toward this path is the path that I'm on. But I get to serve with people who have been created to make an impact on the world and they do it this way. My value is not up for question. How that plays out is how I'm grounding and growing. Mm -hmm. So I love that we're talking about identity because we can over-identify with things that we do or with even with our strengths. So yes. we're careful to say I lead with strategic rather than I am strategic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, because strategic isn't all of who we are. Right. It doesn't adequately or accurately describe who we are, but also just a reminder for everybody listening is that our strengths are in a continuum from raw to mature. Right. And when certain strengths are raw, perfectionism is absolutely one of the outcomes. So Sarah, if you don't mind me just pulling a few of your strengths, be contributing to how you view perfectionism. I have perfectionism in other ways that, you know, but strategic is always asking what if. And so we all probably, all three of us probably can struggle with that. And it can become anxiety produced. Because we're trying to prevent what, what might happen. We're trying to prevent something from happening. We're trying to prevent the train from derailing in some way. And it's funny what our minds can connect around from folded laundry to chaos in the morning to 
I no longer have a routine. Our brain can catastrophize Mm -hmm. from one small thing. And so having control over the smallest things sometimes helps strategic feel good because it assuages that need. Hey everyone, this is Tara. You know how some podcasts will pause in the middle to give you an advertisement or a word from their sponsors? Well, we don't have sponsors, but we do have an important opportunity that we want to share with you. Listen, I think that you and I can agree that the old school top-down leadership model just doesn't work anymore. It would be nice if it did because it is easier (laughs) to just command and have people pay attention. But honestly, people don't work that way because relationships don't work that way and leadership no longer works that way. And so we have developed a program called Grounded Leadership and we are seeing incredible results with the cohorts that we're currently running. From emerging and new leaders to executives and business owners, leaders at every level are growing and grounding in their leadership through this program. Grounded Leadership is a comprehensive practice that ensures emotional maturity while encouraging individual growth and building thriving teams. Listen, titles are about authority, but they don't really influence change. Our leadership practice is what determines our ability to influence others. This journey is ideal for all leaders who are ready to maximize their potential, take responsibility for their influence. We have a cohort starting in January of 2024. It's going to be a mixed cohort of leaders from across the country from different organizations, and we really think that you would enjoy it. Not only that, we think you would find high value and there would be a really high ROI for you, your leadership, and your team. If this is at all of interest to you, please reach out. In the show notes, we're going to have a PDF that you can click and see all the program details, but also you could email me, Tara at aligntransform.com, schedule a quick 15 to 30 minute consult to get some of your questions answered, and we can determine if this is a program that's a fit for you and if you're a fit for the program. If this is of interest to you, we hope to hear from you. And now back to the podcast. You also lead with Maximizer and Maximizer wants to go from good to great, which is a pursuit of excellence. But when Maximizer is raw, it absolutely can show up like perfectionism as well. Yes, that's absolutely accurate uh, assumption of how my strengths partner dance together, mingle, fight one another. They're frenemies at times, that's for sure. And I loved what you said as well, Pamela, about identity. And I think one of the things that's been an aha for me in, first of all, learning myself, but then sharing with others is that it isn't who I am. And truly the root of perfectionism is the fear of who it means that we are when we fail. So it's a perceived protection is is what we think perfection. If I do everything perfectly, if I act perfectly, if I behave perfectly, if I have all the perfect outcomes, it protects me from other people seeing who I really am and then passing judgment on that identity. Not just that I might have had a, you know, slip in the morning or that my laundry isn't folded perfectly. It means something about me, the person. And that is vulnerable, very vulnerable. And so if we can reframe that into this isn't who I am, it might be how it's coming out, to your point, Tara, And so I did want to talk for your listeners because what I was sharing earlier to bring this full circle is that as I learned that, but then shared that with others and said, here's how sometimes it might show up based on some research that I've done, you might not have known. So everybody thinks a perfectionist is someone who has a thousand post-it notes and everything is perfectly organized or they're always early or they they look perfect all the time. 
it can show up in wacky ways that people have come up to me and thought, I did not know I was a perfectionist. So some of the ways that it shows up that for your listeners to be aware of, and some of them, again, are very common, like overcompensating. So if you never want to be late, you don't want to fail at that. You always show up 30 minutes early for everything. That's overcompensating. Excessive organizing is very uh, self-explanatory. Excessive checking, right? You want it to be just perfect. So you go back and you go back and you go back and you go back or you check that the door is locked. You check the door is locked. Is the door locked? Is the door locked? Right? It's obsessive. And back to that watching for those behaviors, is it healthy striving or is it, did we flip that switch to, to some of those negative outcomes? But difficulty with decisions, repeating and correcting the laundry, folding the laundry example. It can also be not knowing when to quit. That's also more of what I would call a common one. But then giving up too soon, you maybe wouldn't have thought a perfectionist would give up too soon. But here's why we do give up too soon. Sometimes we don't want to fail. We think we might. And so we'd rather not try or we quickly give up. I don't want to do that rather than I might do it and not, not do it perfectly. And I don't want people to see that. And that's very vulnerable. And I'm afraid fear is the root of perfectionism. Um, failure to delegate. I even talked about excessive slowness, avoidance. And one of my favorites is hoarding. I have caught myself hoarding books and getting th- just, I want it to be perfect. So I'm going to do all the things to try to avoid or get ready for or u- utilize that strategic to plan all of these things out. So it shows up in ways that people might not anticipate. And I think those are good awareness points as well. I, I'll never forget my very first therapy session in my 20s. I went in and was struggling in a lot of ways. And my therapist and I struggled with procrastination pretty bad in my 20s. And she said, this is perfectionism. And I'm like, you're crazy. How is that perfectionism? But it is because of the fear of failure. And I feeling like, why would I even start if I don't know if I can succeed? And so sometimes even if you have team members who are procrastinating or who struggle yes. to get started, that can be, can, there can be a root of perfectionism. Sarah, we're going to have to continue the conversation into a part two because there's so much more to unpack here. Uh, I really want to explore in, in the next uh, episode. I think we've you've clearly established that perfectionism's root is fear. And I just want to assert that I wonder if the pursuit of excellence's root is security and love. Mm. And if that is the difference, the motivating difference between perfectionism and and excellence. So would love to continue that conversation here in a part two. Thanks everyone for listening. All of the resources that were quoted today are going to be in the show notes. And we look forward to hearing your feedback on this episode. We'll see you next week. Come on.